Good morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We're glad you have tuned in. Know that you've enjoyed the worship so far. We appreciate Aaron and our praise band leading us in worship. We appreciate Carrie and Polly also leading us. And thank you for all the behind-the-scenes folks. Ross and Susie Bagwell are here. We're live with you today. We've been worshiping with you, and they're taking care of things in the back. Uh, Brother Bobby's been uh, all interactive with you on social media, and you know that that's happening. Sydney's here, and she's helping us out. And so we're kind of worshiping here while you are worshiping there. This has to be maybe uh, the most unusual Easter Sunday in your lifetime. In fact, maybe we should have made that part of our social media, hashtag unusual Easter's, not counting this one. I can remember... It was uh, my first Sunday, first Easter Sunday at a new church. It wasn't my first Sunday, but my first time pastoring this church. And Easter was coming, and I woke up Easter Sunday morning early, as I usually would, feeling sick as I have ever felt, at least in a long, long time. And I remember it's Easter Sunday, and preacher, the preacher doesn't call in, don't, doesn't call in sick on Easter Sunday. But I remember crawling to the shower, literally crawling to the shower, and turning the shower on, and well, I was just kind of a lump in the corner of the shower. Any of you ever been there? You felt that way? Not now, hopefully, but uh, have felt that way. And I remember praying. I said, Lord, if I'm going to make it today, I'm really going to need your help. And I heard a voice from above. Now, not an audible voice, but in my head, in my heart, the Lord spoke to me. And he sounded a little bit like John Wayne. And he told me, he said, on your best day, you couldn't do it without me. Well, I know that that's true. On my best day, I couldn't do it without the Lord Jesus. Well, I made it through uh, that Sunday. Didn't shake a lot of hands, but we made it through that Sunday. And uh, we're going to make it through today as well. Not only are we going to make it through, we're going to come out even stronger than before, ready to serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're in Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 9. Matthew chapter 28, um, beginning with verse 1 and following. We know that the Lord is present in this place. The Lord is present there with you in your home, and uh, we appreciate you. We've asked you to do some things interactively before, not like on social media, but uh, you've had prayers a couple of Sundays. We've asked one person maybe to pray aloud. If you're alone, we encourage you to pray aloud at certain times of the service. And Last week, of course, we had the Lord's Supper uh, together, and uh, even though we were apart, well, uh, this Sunday, I want you to be interactive. If you hear me say, He is risen, go ahead and say aloud, He is risen indeed. Let's try it out. He is risen. Well, I hope that you said it. You know, people have asked me, How unusual is it to preach to an empty church? And, you know, well, we hope that this is not something that we get used to. And uh, I think they're asking, maybe because I don't make it look easy. I don't know. But, uh, uh, but I can feel your prayers. I know you're praying for me. Several of you have told me even this morning uh, that you're praying for this service today. We know it's a special service. And we believe probably because it's Easter Sunday, more people are tuning in than ever before. So you be praying for the rest of this service, praying for God's Word and uh, praying for people who may be tuning in and listening. Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 1, says this, 1 through 9. Verse 1 says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. 
He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. Now, how many of you, tell the truth, how many of you knew who moved the stone before reading this? Did you think it was the earthquake that moved the stone? Maybe you thought it was Jesus that when he rose, he moved the stone to get out, or maybe Father from heaven moved the stone, and surely he is the cause of all things. And, uh, and the reason I tell you this, because I've read it many, many times before, but just recently in reading this particular passage and preparing for this message, I realized even though I knew that the angel had moved the stone, that it was because the angel moved the stone that there was an earthquake. Not so much so because the stone was so heavy that it caused the earth to shake, but because of the significance of this event, heaven and earth shuddered. Last Sunday, Palm Sunday, we focused particularly on the cross of Christ and the reason for which Jesus came to die on the cross for us. And we partook of the Lord's Supper. Well, this Sunday we are, as you think we might would be, we're focusing on the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we know that we're focusing on the resurrection and on that first resurrection Sunday morning, an angel from heaven was sent to come and roll away the stone. The earth shook and then the angel came and sat upon the stone. His appearance was like lightning and his robe as white as snow with the message Come and see. The stone and the angel and the words are an invitation for those who believe to realize the importance of this most significant event and for unbelievers also to be able to have the encouragement and the invitation to come and to experience the living Lord Jesus. And now for nearly 2,000 years, you and I, the church of the living God, we now serve as the duty or the ones like this angel. We're to roll away the stone so that others might be able to come and see, so that others might see that the tomb is empty, that Christ is living today. And we're to sit on that stone as if to say, this is where we place our faith, all of our faith, on the resurrection in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And our message is the same, come and see. May the significance of this event, more so this year maybe than ever before worldwide, May it shake heaven and earth. By the way, how do we know the angel rolled away the stone? Well, it's in God's Word, and we know the angel rolled away the stone. But who was watching? We read it just a moment ago. It were the guards, the ones who were sent to come and to guard the tomb. The Bible says they saw the angel roll away the stone, and they fell like dead men. They fainted. Later in this same gospel, they went, and they went to the chief priest, told them all the things that had happened. And the chief priest paid them off, gave them a bribe, never to say a word about what happened. But guess what? Somebody must have told, because Matthew wrote it down. He certainly could have got it from the Holy Spirit of the Lord, but we understand and we know that uh, perhaps the guards, somebody told. This morning, we're going to look into the eyes of several people who have looked into the empty tomb and have discovered Jesus. Some will be the very first ones that are talked about in Scripture, and some may be a little bit more modern. 
I want to introduce you to a little boy by the name of Philip. And the story that I'm telling you, Philip's about eight years old. He's in third grade. Now, Philip was born, he was born with some mental and physical challenges. Philip seemed happy most of the time, seemed to be a happy kid, well taken care of by his parents and his family. Philip went to church and went to Sunday school. And in Philip's Sunday school class, all the kids knew that Philip was a little bit different. Sunday school teacher did a lot of things to encourage activity and uh, taking care of one another and those kinds of things. But still, Philip was different. He just didn't quite fit in. That's just the way it was. But on the Sunday after Easter, the Sunday school teacher came in and he brought in 10 of those, you might remember, 10 of those pantyhose eggs, those old eggs that used to have, like, look like large eggs that had pantyhose in them, all empty, and he brought them in to the kids, and he encouraged the kids. Of course, it's after Easter, it's springtime, and he says, we're going to go outside today, and I want all of you to find something that represents to you new life. Well, kids were always excited about that kind of thing, so they went out uh, to the churchyard, and they all ran and went wild and crazy, looking for things, running around, looking for something that represented new life. And uh, they all came back into the classroom, and one by one, they opened the eggs, and opened one egg, and it had a flower inside, and, oh, and another egg was open. It was a butterfly. All the girls oohed and all thought how beautiful it was. They opened a, one egg, and it had a rock in it. And everybody said, a rock? And one kid said, yeah, because I knew all of you were going to get flowers and leaves and things like that, and I wanted to be different, and that represents new life to me. And then the teacher opened another egg, and the egg was empty. As third graders would do, they looked inside and you know, they saw that it was empty. said, oh, man, somebody didn't do it right. That's dumb. Why would anybody have an empty egg? Philip was standing there next to the teacher, and Philip said, that's my egg. And they looked at Philip and said, oh, Philip, you don't ever get it right. That's not right. It wasn't supposed to be empty. And Philip said, yeah, I remember the teacher said last week that because Jesus rose again in the empty tomb, it represents new life. And there was a hush, a long hush, quietness in the room because they realized that Philip, who didn't always get everything, this time he got it and he got it right. He understood, maybe even more than most. And then something unusual happened because where Philip had always been an outsider, not quite fit in from that moment on, particularly in that classroom and with those nine or ten third grade boys and girls, Philip was finally a part of the group. And they took him in. And the empty tomb set him free from being different. Have you looked into the empty tomb? Have you understood its importance and its significance? Maybe you understand and you get it. Then today we're doing what we need to do today, and that is to celebrate the risen Lord and to thank Him for everything that Christ has done for us. Or just maybe. Maybe there's more to learn more to be grasped about this greatest event in history. And today we study this greatest day in history, the story of the resurrection. We've read it from the book of Matthew. We're going to borrow from some others, gospel writers as well. We're going to talk about what we can learn from those who have seen and experienced the empty tomb. First ones to come to the tomb, Matthew records, were Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Now, the other Gospels tell us that there are also other women who are the ladies who are with them. These faithful women were there at the cross. They were there when they laid Jesus in the tomb. And now they're going faithfully to the tomb on that 
first day of the week, on that first Easter Sunday morning, to prepare Jesus' body. And while we commend the ladies for their act of courage and for their faithfulness, they had missed, like others, they had missed or forgotten or refused to believe some of the things Jesus said about this event. They were not expecting to find the empty tomb. Matthew tells us they were there to go to view the tomb, presumably to figure out how they're going to prepare the body. In other gospels, we're told that they were, go, they were going there in order to take care of Jesus' body. It, it, it wasn't just that they were there to view what was going on. As a matter of fact, it said in another gospel that they were worried about how to move the stone. And it wasn't just that the stone was going to be too heavy, but it had been sealed by the Roman governor and no one would be allowed to break the seal of a Roman governor. But before they arrived, maybe just before they arrived, maybe because they were making their way, there was an earthquake. An angel of the Lord had opened the tomb, not to let Jesus out, but so that they and others might be able to see in, including you and me. When the ladies got to the tomb, things were not as they expected. They didn't know it yet, but they were better. And they found that the body of Jesus was gone. Now, I don't know about your life, but for those who are followers of Jesus, it seems that things rarely turn out as expected. Sometimes it appears that they seem to be far worse and not necessarily better, but only to find out that Jesus makes them better or uses some things that we go through in order that His name might be glorified and that we might be better. I believe only in the next life will, will we be able to look back and be able to see all the things that Jesus did and that Jesus used in order to make us more like Christ and that His name might be glorified. Well, New York City and New York State certainly should be in our prayers. We know, and you've heard, of course, on the news of all the deaths that have taken place because of the coronavirus more than most countries, almost half the deaths in the United States are found in New York. I'm reminded that while I was on a mission trip some years ago in New York, I, I met a pastor there by the name of Pastor Beam. His name is Beam, like beam me up, Scotty, but it's spelled B-H-I-M. Pastor Beam is a pastor in Syracuse, New York. Heard him tell his testimony, and he's from Nepal. Now, he's actually born in Bhutan, but because of a communist takeover, he had to be taken out of the country in which he was born. And around the age of 13, he found himself in a refugee camp in Nepal with 100,000 other refugees. He talks about how terrible it was those years. But he met his wife there in that refugee camp. They had children in that refugee camp. He said, but for his family, particularly when he was growing up, it was pretty bad. In fact, he says in his words that his mother had an evil spirit. In, in his words, she had, he had gone, she had appeared to have gone crazy because of this evil spirit. His dad had left the family because he could not, uh, did not want to take care of his mother. Among those 100,000 refugees in that refugee camp, there were about 10 who were believers. Ten Christians mostly met in secret because of persecution upon them. But he met one of these believers. One of these believers came and shared with him a verse. The verse that he shared was, Come to me, all you who are 
uh, burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Beam thought, what well, sounds like him? Sounds like something he needs. And so he listened, and he's told about Jesus and about the cross and about the resurrection. And he thinks to himself, I, I will try to believe. And the believers kept coming back to where they were staying and where they were living in the refugee camp. And he kept praying for his mother to be released from this evil spirit as he tells the story. And he said, the Lord answered that prayer. The evil spirit left her and she was no longer crazy. Then he says in his words, then I went crazy. I went crazy for Jesus. I told everyone they needed to believe of Jesus and they needed to know him. Well, about 12 years ago from today, about 12 years ago, Pastor Beam and his family came to Syracuse, New York as refugees to America. Today, there are about 5,000 refugees from Nepal who relocated to Syracuse, New York. Most speak little or no English. Pastor Beam started a church, a church at that time that had about 10 believers when he began. And now there are hundreds of Nepali believers and Pastor Beam has been appointed as a church planner with the North American Mission Board. Good to tell the story, not only because of New York, but this is our time, our focus on North American missions as well. The mission statement for the church, is, it's very simple. It is to win the 5,000 Nepali people who are living in Syracuse, New York, to the Lord Jesus Christ. But Pastor Beam gives testimony. Had there not been a communist takeover of Bhutan... Had he not endured 15 years in a refugee camp under horrific conditions, he may have never heard the name of Jesus. For you see, sometimes those things that seem the worst end up being for the best. On that first resurrection morning, the ladies expected to see the stone in front of the tomb, but when they arrived, things were not as expected. The stone had been rolled away, and an angel sits on the big rock. Do you think this led to any confusion or fear of what they saw when they came to the tomb on that day? What did the angels say? What is it that angels always say the first time humans see angels? Before I was a senior pastor, I worked with youth and children for about 10 years. And I knew that whenever I went on a youth camp or children's outing or we were out of town, and if I ever had to call a parent, Sydney and Bobby both know this. If you call a parent on the phone and you're out of town, the very first thing you do is say, Hello, your little darling is okay. And this is the reason that I've called. Well, what is it that the first thing that the angel said? I'm sure they learned it in angel training school. It is, Do not be afraid. I know things are different. This is not what you expected, but have no fear. How about you? Do you ever find yourself a little bit confused about why things happen the way they do? If things always went our way, we were never perplexed. We would not need much faith. But it's the tough times and the confusing times that test our faith and strengthen it, or at least shows to us how much stronger our faith needs to be and how much more time we need to spend in prayer. But from the heavenly to the earthly, no matter what's happening around you, have no fear for those who have experienced the resurrected Lord. Having faith also means remembering the victory is already won. Living in a sports-oriented culture, we always think in terms of uh, winning and losing. I know of one sports fan, particularly when it comes to football, he cannot 
watch the game. He gets so much in a frenzy, so worked up, he can't go and watch it live. He can't even watch it on TV. He records it, and then he can only watch it if his team wins. We who put our faith in the resurrected Lord because of his words in the empty tomb, we're assured the victory has been won. We can watch the events happening in our life and in our nation and in our world with our eyes wide open because we know and how it's going to turn out. We know that victory is assured. What if there was no resurrection? I mean, after all, everything that we believe and everything that we know rises and falls on the resurrection. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, our faith would be in vain. But if we took out all the references and all the prophecies that talk about the resurrection of the Bible, one, we have a lot smaller cut-up Bible. But what about all the good things that Jesus did and the lessons that he taught? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then all that he did and said is useless and faith is futile. One of the things that we learned from the ladies and others when they saw the empty tomb, believe every word and every promise of Jesus. When the ladies were told to tell the disciples, did you, did you sense the urgency? Verse 8, if you've still got your Bibles open, take a look. They departed quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell the good news. Does that sound like a curious combination? Fear and great joy? How are they, how are they going to be fearful and have great joy at the same time? Have you felt any fear in the last month, any worry? Any anxiety? Here's proof, my friends. In the midst, because of the resurrection, you can still have joy. And joy overcomes the fears. But don't miss this. Joy happens when we know we have something good to share. It's my hope that you come and hear again the good news about Jesus. You come look again into the empty tomb and you're filled with joy because you have something worthwhile to share with others. There's joy in the sharing. Do you know or do you remember how the first disciples responded? Oh, they thought it sounded like idle tales. You think the disciples, the, the ones who Jesus had told many times that he was going to rise again, you think they would have wanted to hear the good news that Jesus had risen from the, get, from the dead. Do you, do you think the ladies felt some frustration? Here they had told their leaders, the men folk, and they didn't believe them yet. But that was their story, and they were sticking to it. Well, why would we stick to sharing the story of Jesus? It's because we've come to the tomb ourselves, meaning we've experienced Jesus for ourselves. My favorite hymn, says, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. We share because we know Jesus lives. Also, we know that we cannot make decisions for others. Each of us has to come, or each person has to come and see for themselves or have a personal experience. Disciples did not at first believe, but then we find Peter and John ran to the tomb. We can tell people what salvation is like, but people still must experience it for themselves. We cannot make a decision for others or even impose our particular way of coming to Jesus on them. I have the privilege sometimes to stand down here at the front or talk to people at other times, and some people who come to Jesus, they come in tears and repentance. 
Other people come with joy and enthusiasm. Others come with a great determination. But all must come through the hearing of the message of the gospel. On this day more than any other, any other of particularly of the year, and maybe on this day because of things happening around the world, maybe more people are either gathering together or they are tuned in in their homes to hear that same story of the cross carried for our sins and victory over our death found in the empty tomb. It's that gospel that is the only hope of joy in a world of turmoil. In this season of history where there's not very good news at the moment, the news of the resurrection brings hope and encouragement. If it's true that these are not some of the best times for our nation or for our world and maybe for you and you individually, then know this. It is the best time for you to hang all of your hopes in the resurrected Lord. Look for ways that you are able to share that with others. There may be no better time in history for there to be open doors of opportunity to share the love of Jesus. You may be listening today, and it may be that your heart hurts or your insides seem all tied up in knots because of things happening around you, or maybe something else that's happening in your life. Some may be through no fault of your own, but if you want there to be peace and joy in your heart, find the difference that walking with the risen Lord makes. Then share that difference that Jesus makes in your life with someone maybe with the person that is the who's your one that we've talked about in the last couple of months. You may have found and placed your hope in Jesus, but if you've not shared it with others and you're not looking for opportunities to be able to share the love of Jesus and share the good news of the hope found in the resurrection of who Christ is, then you're maybe missing a whole spectrum of joy in your life, not to mention what's needed by the ones who need to hear from you. They ran to tell with fear and great joy. So what have we learned from the people who've, been, who've seen the empty tomb? Believe every word of the Lord Jesus. Share what you have experienced and what you know about the risen Lord with enthusiasm and great joy. There's a lot of running that took place on Easter Sunday, on that first Easter Sunday. The, the ladies ran to tell the disciples. Peter ran to the tomb. John ran also. And we're given this detail. Those who came to the tomb, they stooped. And looked in. We must stoop to look in. The door to the tomb is short. Unless you're ready to bend your legs and bow your head, you'll never understand all there is to know. A contrite and teachable spirit is necessary. Here's Peter, particularly, who often showed pride, but now he has seen and experienced the risen Lord. And what's happening? He's changed. Many are too proud and too full of themselves to see the significance of the empty tomb and the resurrection. You may not be ready to bow to the Lord, submit to Him, make Him Lord of your life because you've been your own boss for so long. Or maybe you've been, or, you, or something else is Lord of your life. Does this describe you today? Is there something that is preventing you from responding as you should to the news of the resurrection? Today, you have opportunity with bowed head and bending knee to experience the risen Lord. It's through prayer that you can ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and ask Christ to be able to come in. We were coming home with a group of young people from another mission trip, and we had a layover in Miami. And we're in the airport in Miami, where most of us, where most of us are sitting and eating in a particular restaurant, uh, waiting for uh, be able to board our plane. And while we're in there, probably being a little bit louder than we should be, but middle-aged man sitting by himself, and 
not too far from us, and he leans over and said, what kind of group are you? And I said, well, I said, we're a church group. And we've been on a mission trip. And we told him a little bit about that, shared with him why we went, and shared with him a testimony. And I asked him the question, and I said, have you ever placed your faith in Jesus Christ? And he said to me, he said, no, I get up every morning, and I pray, and I thank the Lord that he made me an atheist. And he chuckles a little bit about that. And, and so I, but he said, my, my, my wife's a Christian. All she and the kids go to church every week. And we had a little bit more discussion. And finally I asked him, I said, would your, would your wife like for you to be a follower of Jesus? And he said, well, yes, she would. And like for me to go to church and several other things. And, and in our discussion, I asked him the question. I said, I said, well, if you're right and there is no God, then it really doesn't matter. But if she's right, and there is a God, we know Him by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose again, that all eternity hangs in the balance. He said, I never thought about it that way. He did not, didn't, didn't become a believer, at least not with me on that day, but He did allow me to pray for Him. And every time I tell that story, I pray for Him, a professor at the University of Florida, and... Uh, I can't remember his name, but I ask him maybe just a whisper of prayer that maybe he has come or will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I didn't tell him this, but I thought, he should want the resurrection to be true. And in our world today, even for those who are not believers, they should want and hope that the resurrection really is true. Why is that? Because there's power in the resurrection. The power of the resurrection means they're power in the world today to take care of all things and all needs and all that we're going through. There's hope. Hope for today and hope for the future. And there is joy that can be had even in the midst. We want the resurrection to be true because it means we are not alone. But not everyone who looks into the tomb comes out a believer. Call upon Jesus if you do not know Him today and ask Him to take charge because He is risen. Oh, we are awake. Yes, He is risen indeed. Call upon Jesus if you're a Christian today, but you need to renew your fellowship with Jesus. The empty tomb tells us He's alive, and the Holy Spirit dwells in every believer and desires intimate fellowship. You have opportunity today to respond to what you have seen and heard. Matthew tells us while the women were on their way to tell others, Jesus greeted them, and they bowed, and they worshiped or experience with the resurrected Lord, if it's real and if it's genuine, will lead to submission and worshiping Christ and rejoicing for the difference that He has made in our life. When this pandemic, pandemic started over a month ago, I asked you to prepare particularly for this day, for Resurrection Sunday. In fact, our first time to be together as online only was March 22nd. So we kind of took that 22nd, 22 days between that day and this day, if you count both Sundays, and we had 22 days of preparation and prayers for this particular day. And even praying that we might be able to be back together uh, in person was a particular prayer. Well, we're still together. We're not in person. And you continue to be the church. You continue to be the feet and the hands and the mouth and the words of Jesus to the community, to the world, to one another and those who need Jesus. And you need to understand, this day, we pray particularly for this day, this is not the end of anything. 
It's just the beginning. Today's a new day of recommitment for you, a new chance to point to Jesus, a new opportunity to start anew and afresh with your relationship with Christ, new and afresh with your family, with your neighbors, with the world in which we live. So what do you learn from these who first saw the empty tomb? Believe in the Lord Jesus. Share your experience and the difference that Jesus makes and worship and rejoice because of the Lord's amazing work then and now. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Do you remember when we began, I told you the story about Philip. Philip, third grader, brought in the empty egg, had both physical and mentally, mental challenges. Well, that particular Easter, that wasn't the end of Philip's story. In fact, Philip never made it to another Easter. A few months later, Philip died. His family had known since he was born that he would not live a full lifespan. Many other things that were going wrong with his tiny body, and he, he got a virus, a virus that most healthy children would have shrugged off. But Philip died. And at the funeral, there were nine eight-year-old boys and girls that marched up the altar, not with flowers, but they came up and brought and laid there on the altar next to, the, next to his body an empty egg, an old discarded pantyhose egg with nothing inside. But it spoke volumes about the difference an empty tomb makes for today and for the future. Because the empty tomb, the resurrected Lord, the fact that He is alive today, it makes all the difference. Let me pray for you. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you even now, knowing that we have a God that loves and cares for us and has proven that love because of the sending of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. He's proven that He's loved us and also has proven His power to be able to give life power over death, sin, and Satan. We thank you, Father, because we can experience that power in our own lives, that regardless of what comes our way, illness, heartache, even death, we know that the power of God is always going to be at work. And we're thankful for that today. And Father, I pray for this congregation. I pray for everyone who's listening, every family member. I pray for all those who maybe listening today, maybe who are not part of our church, maybe someone who's listening today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. May the power of the resurrection be alert and awake. And Father, we know that it is at work today in the lives of those who need to know you as Lord and Savior. We know it's at work today in those who do know you. And may today be a powerful day and may it continue as we have a new beginning a new day in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We trust in you. Thank you for the difference that you make in each of our lives. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen.